time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. I am so, so excited. I think I'm more excited than some of you about this school year. Again, just talking to some of you. This will be your greatest year yet if you do this right. This will be your year where you say, you know what? Last year, the years before that, I tried and nothing really kind of happened and I fell by the wayside. But if you do this thing right, you will be able to look back and say, man, I accomplished and I covered some ground for the kingdom of God. I did things I did things. I loved people. I encouraged people. I, I fleed temptation. I, 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 was, I was a light for Jesus Christ whenever nobody else was. Or maybe it was me and like two other people. But, but, but I saw some fruit. I saw some things change. If you do this right, you'll be able to look back and say, man, Jesus, you and me, you and me, let's do it again next year. I just want us to review. Lots of you weren't here last Wednesday, and I'm so honored. We have so many guests here tonight. We even have a couple parents. We have people here from out of town. I just want to welcome you guys once again to Desperation Student Ministries. Uh, We're so, so honored to have you. We love Jesus. Yeah, let's give it up for him. Come on. We're We're so honored to have you. We are serious in our call. We're serious in this, with this kind of, this charge from the Lord tonight. We're serious about honoring our charge and our commitment, our mandate, if you will, from Jesus to call a generation to live and be in desperate pursuit of God. And what all that means is going to look different from person to person. But the ache in my heart, the ache in our hearts, the ache that should be in this generation's heart is, you know what, Jesus, I don't know everything. I don't have everything figured out. But I surely am willing to try. I know that I know that you are good. I know that you died for me. And I know that you have great plans for my life. And I want to do that more than anything else in my heart. Amen. And so, so we're just excited and honored to have you guys tonight. So just to review a little bit, we're in a series. We're going to be in a series for about four weeks. Somebody shout out to me the name of this series. One to one, that's with a W and then a O-N-E. One to one. And so last week was week one. This week is week two. Last week we just talked about 8,000, how many? Come on, say it again. 8,000 from... Actually, like last week, but whatever. Okay, so 8,035 hours from last week. And we talked about how 8,035 hours from last Wednesday night. I don't know the mathematical calculations in my head. I didn't do that before service, and I'm not that smart. But uh, whatever, you know, just roughly rounded down. But 8,035 hours from last Wednesday would put us roughly at the beginning or so of July next year, kind of at the end of our DSM kind of school year. And we talked about this idea of what are you going to look like? What's it going to be like? What's your life going to be like? 8,035 hours from last Wednesday night. Are you going to be loving Jesus better? Will you have made a difference and an impact for God's kingdom? Or will you have just advanced your own kingdom? Or will you have brought others down? Or will you have been a terrible example? Just want to remind you guys of... Many of you who made commitments even last week saying, I'm all in. I'm getting off the sidelines. We talked about if you do this right, you'll be able to look back and say, this was the greatest year of my life so far. The year has begun, you guys. Everybody's back in school by now, right? 
A couple of people, Allie Bim says she's going back Monday. I don't know. Are there other people? Where are my homeschool people at going back yeah. next week? <laughs> there you go. So next week, all right, whatever. Well, I, just about everybody else, for everybody else, the school has school year has started. Or even if you haven't started your work yet, probably things are starting to change around your home, planning things, buying books, preparing for classes, all that kind of stuff. But the year has begun, you guys. And I know some of you, who are already making the most of this year. And I'm so proud of you. Again, I just want to remind you of a quote last year. It's the generation that the world will not change will be the generation to change the world. The generation that the world will not and cannot change will be the generation that will change this world. I want you guys to take a, uh, just take a quick look at a group of world changers from last week. Here's just an excerpt of a prayer meeting that we had on Saturday. Just kind of take a look at this. You can just kind of look at the visual. You may not be able to hear anything. <clears throat> oh, that's Ryan. She's a world changer too. She was at the prayer meeting. She's interceding, talking in tongues. <laughs> Some of you get that later. All right, so, so that was just a few. Y'all give it up for them. You Maybe you don't even know what you're, like, what was I looking at? Like a homemade video or something. So that was just, that was just a group of 11 students led by Chase Windebank, Ty led worship, some other ones that were there just saying, hey, let's have a prayer meeting. I talked about it last Wednesday night. And so we just met in front of Pine Creek High School this past Saturday and just prayed. We had an hour prayer meeting, just worshiping in front of that school and just asking God, would you visit Pine Creek in such a supernatural way this year? I don't know about you guys, but I am, I'm tired of hearing about teenagers who are dying before their time. I'm tired of hearing about teenagers who are, are taking their own lives. I'm tired of hearing about teenagers who are steeped in sexual immorality. I'm tired of hearing about teenagers who are so steeped even in depression and just being played like a puppet in the hand of the enemy. The solution, the solution is a prayer movement. The solution is people just like you, people that you just saw on the video where you didn't hear a whole lot. You just saw a couple people just standing around in a circle, crying out to Jesus saying, God, we're not the solution. God, we are not God. You are God. We are man. We need you to intervene in our school systems. Some of you, and it kind of hits home for some of you who have gone to some of these local schools. And guys, I mean, this is, this is like everywhere. This isn't just a Colorado Springs thing. Back in my youth group in Louisiana, I had gone to far too many. In five years of full-time youth ministry, I had gone to far too many. And even partaken in so many funerals. Where students have taken their own lives or, or died due to whatever. But it was basically sin and foolishness. Things, places they should not have been. Things that they should not have been engaged in. And I'm just saying we can sit here and put like our heads in the sand and like, you know, stick our fingers in our ear and act like everything's okay. Or we can say, God, I know that I'm part of the solution. I'm all in and I want to effect change in my generation. And God, if you're going to do anything, if you're going to do anything in my generation, God. Don't do it without me, Lord. I want to be a part of it. God, if you're going to use someone, use me. If you're going to anoint someone, God, anoint me. God, if you're going to speak through someone, Father, would you speak through me? I know I'm not the smartest. I know I'm not the most talented. I know I'm not the most holy. But God, I still want to be used by you. 
So show me what I got to do. Does that make sense to you guys? Guys, I, I just, just feel that so strongly in my heart. This can. And for some of you who take this seriously, this will be your greatest year yet. You know, as I think back and I, as I was kind of preparing tonight and even in prayer and thinking back on my high school years. And it was funny because, you know, how many of you do hashtag throwback Thursday? Make some noise. Come on. All right. Thank you very much. Um, so, so throwback Thursdays for the rest of you. Let me just catch you up to speed with 2013 on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. You know, on Thursdays, people just kind of talk about memories called throwback Thursday, throwback, that's Ebonics or, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, black people talk or whatever. It's, it's just like, oh, it's a throwback. Like that just basically means like, you know, thrown back like way, way back, like years ago. And so normally on throwback Thursday, we just kind of post pictures maybe from years ago, just memories, that kind of thing. And so it was throwback Thursday last week. And I was thinking back, I actually got out my high school yearbook and I was like, man, you know, just kind of turning through the pages looking through and I just started reminiscing. I remember going to high school my freshman year, coming out of eighth grade and going into ninth grade. And it was right after I had this radical encounter with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit specifically, and then just wanting to, to just change my high school. I mean, like just to do whatever I could. And so I found a couple just radical people because here's the thing, the fire that is in you guys, again, if you do this right, it is contagious. You won't have a choice. People won't have a choice, but if they're around you, it's kind of like this just kind of rubs off on them. It'll either get rid of them or it'll draw them radically closer to Jesus. Hopefully your fire is drawing people to Jesus. Hopefully you have a little bit of fire on the inside of you. And so going into my freshman year, just kind of linked up with a couple other people in high school you know, a couple guys, a couple girls that I was going to high school with that also loved Jesus. I mean, it was like really, really serious about what Jesus wanted to do in our high school. And so we just started this, this club. There was already a couple of Christian clubs. And we were like, we want one that like specifically what we do is like we pray. Like I, I, and I was a part of FCA. I was an FCA leader. I did FCA all four years of high school. So FCA was on Friday mornings at my school. But then we were like, we want, we want something that like has a, like a strong emphasis on like coming before school and just, just like praying. You know what I'm saying? Like in addition to hanging out and having fun and doing Bible studies. And so we started this club and it was called God's Army. It was really, really dorky. And so, so, and it was just, I mean, it was just this ragtag bunch of people. I mean, like, I mean, if you could see, it was was just funny. I mean, the people who showed up for it, I'm like, hmm. (laughs) All right. I guess Jesus is uniting us because, you know, and so, so we would meet before school like Tuesday mornings and we would pray like for 30 minutes. Like we would get there before everybody else even arrived at our school. We got there early enough. And then we would just walk through the hallways and just pray and just ask God, would you send revival to Alfred M. Barb High School here in Lake Charles, Louisiana? Father, would you send revival? Lord, we just cover our friends with the blood of Jesus. Even, even those who do not know you yet, would you cover their lives? Would you shield them? Would you protect them, Father? And so I just remember doing that so much. And so it's funny because there's a, if you, I think you guys have a picture of this. As I was reading through the, 
As I was reading through the yearbook, this little picture, it's, it's really, really bad because it's just pictures of pictures. But, you know, that little black blob on the left side, that's me. I'm pointing, like, my fingers up to God. And then, like, on the, uh, the, this text that you're seeing is an excerpt out of the yearbook. And it just says, following in the path of, um, following in the, path of the Lord, um, this group of students um, are getting up early in the mornings and giving Christ the gift that he gave to them. And so, and so this quote comes from one of the girls who's in the cup. She says, I just want to give back a small portion of what he has given to me. This girl named Crystal Quibido. And so it says, guest speakers, prayer, praise were regular. Friday meetings, sharing their time, uh, sharing her time as a, as a guidance counselor for it was Marty Klepsik. And, and what's really cool is that was my Algebra 2 uh, algebra two um, teacher in high school, and she was a Christian, and so she just believed in what we were doing, and, and so she covered us. And it's funny because I posted this on Facebook the other day, and then she wrote back and was like, "Good, good memories, Brandon. I remember, I remember those days. Now, this is like 13 years ago. Okay, crazy. All right, 13 years ago. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, and so, <laughs> so like a midlife crisis here. Okay, so, so." And so, but, but I'm just saying that to say, this has been like just years in the making. If you do this thing right, 13 years from now, you'll be able to look back and have a history in spending time with God, partnering with God and what he's trying to do in your generation. Or you will look back full of regret saying, oh gosh, guys, I say this all the time and I really want you to, I don't meet one person who is following Jesus now. I'm 29 years old, you guys. I haven't met one person that I went to high school with or even went to college with who says, gosh, Brandon, I wish I would have sinned so much more before I found Christ. I mean, I wish I really would have just gone all out. I wish I would have went to 10 more parties, made out with 30 more girls. Just did all the, gosh, I wish I would have just done so much more for Satan and his kingdom in my high school and college years. Gosh, I wish I would have spent all of my junior high years and my high school years just doing nothing for God and being a distraction for those who were trying to do something for God. No, no, no. It's the complete opposite. Every, I could line up, guys, I could pull out my cell phone now and call so many of my friends and they would literally tell you, and I've done that before, just saying, gosh, I wish I would have given it all much, much earlier in life. I mean, I wish I really, really, really grasped on and locked hold to what God was trying to do. I wish I wouldn't have been so distracted with the world. I wish I wouldn't have been so busy trying to protect my own reputation and look so cool that I forgot completely about Christ. I wish I would have done that way a whole bunch, like more years. Nobody said no one ever. You see what I'm saying? And so, so the challenge, the charge, and I want you to feel the weight of this. Because we're still on the front end. And so many of you haven't made these crazy decisions that some, some of us have. But I want to speak to those who are just kind of like, you know what? I, I know temptation's out there. I know the enemy is going to throw things at me. And I want to tell you, stand your ground. Hold your ground. And not only that, but advance forward in the kingdom of God. That's what's just kind of been burning in my heart, you guys. Even as I've been in so much prayer for DSM, especially lately, especially in the last, in the last week or so, just knowing that students are going back to school and knowing the temptations that some of you are going through are more in a traditional kind of school setting, public schools and even private schools, and talking to some of you and some of the things that you're having to see on the daily basis, the fire within you has to be greater than the fire around you if you're going to stand. 
The fire of God in you must be greater than the fire of temptation around you if you are going to stand and if you're going to overcome and if you're going to endure as a son and a daughter or a daughter of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. And so, so in my heart, you guys, I just feel like, man, I just feel this sense where God is just rallying the troops. I mean, just kind of gathering the troops in this kind of army. And I'm just asking once again in this series, one W-O-N to one Will you be a part? Because remember, we talked about this last week again. You'll either be a critic on the bench or you'll be a critical part of what God is doing in and through DSM. You can be a critic or you can be a critical part of what he's doing in and through DSM. I just want to ask you again, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see in yourself? What do you see yourself being? What do you see yourself doing for the kingdom of God? What do you see? It's so important. That's why we spent time even last week saying, God, give me vision to see things like you do. It's so important, you guys, that you're able to see it in your heart. God, this is what my life, this is who I want to be. This is who I'm going to be in Jesus' name. This is who I'm not going to be. These are the the people that I want to influence. This is what I'm going to do for God this year. This is the change that I am going to affect in my generation, me and Jesus. This is the person that this year I'm going to spend my hours in prayer throughout the weeks. I'm going to target one person and this is who it is. And I'm going to be so intentional about showing them the love of God that it will be undeniable to them. Whenever they stand before Jesus and they give an excuse about not knowing him, it will be undeniable because Jesus will be able to say, remember Max, he was so nice to you. He showed you the love of God. Remember Victoria, she prayed for you. She prayed with you. She invited you to DSM. She tried to share Jesus with you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Now the hope is that they would actually change. I want to make it hard. You need to make it, want to make it hard for people to go to hell around you. Was that too much for you guys? Our mission, we want to make it difficult for people not to know Jesus in your sphere of influence. Guys, make it so difficult for them by the spirit of God living on the inside of you. Can I get an amen? And so if you feel the sense of that, if you feel the weight of that, that's good. That's God. Just beginning to share some of his, some, beginning to share some of his heart with you that you would see even as Braden was praying earlier. God, may, may we see people the way that you see them. May we see what you see. May we hear what you hear, God. May we be instruments in your hand, vessels, tools for you to use. This is why it's so important for you to see. Dr. Cho says this, pastor of arguably the largest church in the world for years and years and years. Dr. Cho says this, a man's vision will limit his behavior. We can never be any more than we dream of being. What are you dreaming of being more than anything else? And it's cool to have secular goals. I want to be a lawyer one day. I want to be, that's all great. But spiritually speaking, who do you want to be in God? Who do you want to be in God, in Christ? First Corinthians chapter 12 is where we want to go tonight. I'm going to read a passage of scripture and share a few thoughts and we'll get back into some worship here because I want to give you another opportunity. Again, I feel like God wants to release joy tonight, but I want to keep to this theme as we're talking about in week two, 
going from being one, W-O-N, to becoming one, O-N-E, unity in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm starting at verse 12. It'll be on the screens if you don't have your Bibles with you. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So, it's with the bo- so it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, Gentiles, slaves, and free. But we have all been baptized into one body. Everybody say one body. By one spirit. Everybody say one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Verse 14 says, yes, the body has many different parts. Everybody say many different parts. Not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand... That does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, hey, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? How would you smell anything? 18 says, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part, a giant ear just walking around. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. Everybody say one body. One body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Verse 23 says, and the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, All the parts are glad. And finally, verse 27, all of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. Bow your heads with me real quick. Father, I thank you that over the next 10 minutes or so, I give you praise and I give you glory for the power of your word to speak to us, to encourage us, to sharpen us, to strengthen us, to bring us together as one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, so this is what I want to share with you. This is what I want to share with you guys. It's interesting because whenever we talk about the body of Christ, and, and Paul even starts off here talking to the Corinthian church, and, and just some interesting facts about the, about the human body. Your thigh bone is stronger than concrete. How many of you knew that? About 20%? Okay, cool. For real, you knew that? How'd you know, Taylor? Athletic training. Impressive. Of the 206 bones in the human body, one-fourth are located in the feet. 25% of all your bones are in your feet. The human heart has to pump blood back and forth through the, through the 70,000 miles of blood vessels in the body once every single minute. How about this? Human hair is almost indestructible. It cannot be destroyed by cold, climactic changes, water, or other natural forces except for fire. There are 45 miles of nerves in the human body. It's impossible for a person to keep their eyes open while sneezing. Somebody going to try or I just knew. I don't know if you can make yourself sneeze. Can anybody make themselves sneeze? No, I don't know. That'll be a cool. Yeah. Oh, one person. Who was it? On the front row? Amy, Dan, Bobby. 
Dan can. Oh, Dan's not here. Anybody else can't make themselves sneeze? Okay, great. Well, I guess we won't really figure it out. Um, so human eyes, human eyes are capable of seeing more than one million simultaneous visual impressions and can distinguish between almost eight million gradations of color. The human body is pretty remarkable, you guys. That's some really cool facts about the way that God created us and how much more, how much more whenever, whenever Paul began to compare us, whenever he talks about the church and us being the body of Christ, the physical body is fascinating, but the spiritual body, the body of Christ carries much more fascination about it. And you're a part of that body. If you have accepted Jesus, if you're a part of that army, you're a part of that body. Every Christ follower is a vital and crucial part of God's body. So here's the deal. Here's what the enemy says to you. And we even talked about it. Even as Amy was praying, even as Amy was leading our prayer time tonight, saying, hey, you know, thoughts of, gosh, you don't matter. You know, you're not just, you're really not doing a whole lot. You know, besides maybe talking during my message. Besides maybe just talking. All right. Um, So you're not doing a whole lot. You're not worth a whole lot. You're not, you know, you know, I mean, you're just kind of going through life. You really don't matter. But here you have God's word saying, you know what? You're an integral part of what God is trying to do in this generation. And then therein lies the tension. Because then you would say to me, no, 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 Pastor Brandon. If you, I mean, I mean, no, I can't be a, a real, like, big part of what God's doing. You don't know my story. You don't know my life. I mean, I, there's no way. But then, so, so the enemy, and that's like Satan just lying to you. And, but then you have God's word shouting, saying, no, 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 you matter. You're a big deal to God. And he is counting on you to do something great in your generation. There is no plan B, C, or D. There's only a plan A, and you are plan A. But then you push back and say, oh, God, if I'm plan A, this thing's all, I don't know. But then you have God's word saying, no, no, no. Through my spirit and through my grace, you can do all things. Philippians 4.13, I can empower you to do all things as I give you my strength, as you depend on me. In your weakness, my strength is made perfect. So we got to figure this out, you guys. We got we, we to gotta wrestle through that tension and we've got to kind of make a decision as to what you believe. Verses 14 through 20 talk about there being no superiority in our different giftings. And here's the real challenge. And it happened tonight. I felt it just even in my spirit tonight. And, and it happens every week whenever some students maybe get up and pray. Maybe some are a little bit more vocal. Maybe a little bit more demonstrative in their worship or their prayer. The temptation for you is to say, well, I'm not like, you know, him. I mean, he's like spiritual Batman and I'm like freaking loser. I mean, like, I'm like the penguin or something. I don't know. I'm like, I mean, he's like the man of steel and I'm like Lex Luthor. I don't know, whatever, whatever the comparison is. But, but here's the deal. We thrive. So many of you, you thrive on comparing yourself to someone else. And it happens over and over and over again. And as long as your eyes are on someone else, complain the game of comparison you will never walk out your destiny. You'll never accomplish the purpose of God for your life. So you can continue playing the comparison game, but you won't get anywhere in God. You see, what if I asked you, hey, I got a new, uh, I got a new, I don't know, like a BB gun, okay? I got a new BB gun at the age of 29. And I said, you know, hey, um, I, I've, I got... I need to practice my shooting. So would you just kind of stand over there and stick your hand out? 
And let me just kind of practice and just kind of see how it all comes together. You know, just put your hand up and by faith, we're going to see what happens, how good or how bad I am. You'd think I was insane, right? I mean, seriously, like a brother with a gun pointing at this kid, you know, with a, just say, not in Colorado Springs, ain't gonna work. And so, and so it, that would be insane. I would never make that request of you, but here's what happens whenever we begin to compare ourselves one to another and we begin to tear down each other with our words to make ourselves feel better. It's the same. It's the same exact scenario. It's like shooting your own self in the hand or shooting your own self in the foot whenever we play the game of comparison. So many times we compare ourselves and this is right where the enemy wants us to be because of the truth be told, we have all been there no matter how gifted you are. I want you guys to take a look at this. Since school is like one of the most important things I have to deal with right now, and being a senior, college has been a big thing. My best friend, and we've always bumped heads because he's an artist also, and he sings also, so, you know, we've always had that competition going on. Not too long ago, he got accepted into Pace, which is a school in New York. They ended up giving him a full ride. It was a very big eye-opener for me, just because I felt like he got a, you know, full ride to a really good school, you know, So and, and I'm still here, you know, waiting on someone to pick me up. At that time, I felt like he was overall, I guess, better. I felt like, you know, wow, I don't measure up at all. So it was very depressing. I felt like at times God had removed his hand of blessing off of me because, you know, everyone's leaving and I feel like I'm going to be staying here, you know, at home, you know, working a, a job, a full-time job, you know, trying to make it through to the next year. Since I'm a musician, I'm, I'm constantly comparing myself to the next best thing, you know, to see uh, how you measure on a scale compared to what's already out there, compared to what's cool and what's in. I lose myself as an individual because I'm constantly look, looking at everyone else, you know, in relations to me. So you know, it shows me how I don't measure up. I don't, you know, fit the scale or the, the profile, you know. So I lose that ability to just go out there and think for myself. The thing is, I focus on the things that my closest friends are doing good, not remembering to look at also the faults that they have. So I disregard the faults and I just immediately look at the things that they're excelling in. And sometimes, oftentimes, you know, I'm not, you know, supposed to excel in the things that they excel in or in the way that they do. But of course, at the time, you don't ever think about that. And so it does leave me sometimes down because I, I don't like feeling like I'm inferior to someone else, don't like being insecure. And when I am, it's just a big downer. I mean, like my whole day or my whole mood. When we compare, you can clap. It's good. When we see what happens whenever we compare ourselves to one another, you guys. It's um, anybody ever been around just really bad, like bo, like you know, like body older. You know what I'm saying? Like just people around. If people on your aisle have it, just don't look at them. Just look up to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. <laughs> But it's kind of the same way. It's kind of like being around somebody who just smells awful. Whenever we compare ourselves to one another and say, gosh, I could never do, I could never be that. It's like body odor. It just, it doesn't smell good. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes being around that. It's not the fragrance of heaven. It doesn't smell like what Jesus smells like. And so, so we, the temptation is to constantly do this, you guys. 
when we become envious or jealous of others' gifts or when we don't appreciate and value the gifts that God has given us, we're called to celebrate one another. We're called to encourage one another. And right here at DSM, you have an opportunity to do that, you guys, over the next weeks, even beginning tonight, once we finish service here tonight. You have an opportunity. We talked about it. You saw a video tonight about cadres launching junior high cadres, Sunday mornings, high school cadres on Sunday nights, every other Sunday and every other Sunday evening. And you have an opportunity. But the temptation is, gosh, I'm not, ugh, I don't really want to be involved in a small group. I'm really not that deep. You know, I'm not, I'm not hyper spiritual. I don't really know all the lingo. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know all the worship songs. I, and just in doing that, just that quick, the enemy has lured you in down this path of comparing yourself. And causing you to miss out on what God's trying to do in and through you. He's trying to change you, to clone you, to be something. What if we all just looked the exact same here tonight? What if we all sounded the same? What if we all dressed the exact same? That's not a reflection. That's not a perception. That's not, that's not how the kingdom of God looks. It's not what it sounds like. You see what I'm saying? And so it's going to challenge some of you to be like, man, I just, you know, I, I, I'm not used to kind of maybe hanging out with people who are a little bit different from me. But, you know, but we have one thing that unites us, and that's our love for Jesus Christ. And so because of my love for Jesus, I can go out of my way and maybe hang out with a different group. That, and, 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 and there's no other way I would have ever, like, even known your name except for Jesus Christ himself. And some of you, this is uncomfortable I want you to be uncomfortable. I need for you to be a little bit uncomfortable. Even here on Wednesday nights, whenever God's people show up, they don't look like you. They don't dress like you. They don't smell like you. They don't talk like you. That's a reflection of the kingdom of God. Whenever we get to the kingdom, we're going to be shocked because the Bible says that literally the nations worship around the throne and everyone has a different sound, but they're united by one thing, a radical love for Jesus Christ and who he is. And so you have an opportunity to do that. Even tonight, we're starting signups for high school cadres, about six or seven different homes so far. And we'll get more homes if we need 10 to 15 or so. You can pick and choose whatever cadre you're going to be in, whatever small group. Again, we'll be launching this September the 8th. We talked about it extensively last week. You'll hear more about it in the next weeks because we want to give you an opportunity to be a part of what God is doing here, you guys. Wise person once said this, you're not some entry in a contest. Stop comparing yourself to others in an attempt to assess your value and your capability. You're not some entry in a contest. You're part of the family of God. You're a son or a daughter of God. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. Just be who God has called you to be. Amen? We're talking about going from one, W-O-N, to O-N-E, one. It's really interesting. There's one of the verses in this chapter that just reminds me, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical nature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God gifts and places us according to his will so that his body would have maximum mobility. You guys, if you don't hear anything else tonight, just hear me say you are important. And you matter to God. And you matter to us. And for some of you, it goes in one ear and out of the other. But for others of you, because of what your home life looks like, and because of what your school life has been like, even in the first couple days of school, man, that's everything. To have God remind you, say, you matter. You matter. You're a big deal. 
It matters whenever you're not here. It really matters in a great way whenever you are here. You matter. So in going from one to one, I want to just give you three simple steps. And I will have the worship team come up. As I look at this passage of scripture and Paul talking about, you know what? It's so important that you know that we, there is one body, one Lord, one baptism, one faith, one Christ, one spirit who dwells in all of us. And we've got to learn how to work that out. How do we go from just being one individual to becoming one with the body of Christ, one with this family that we call DSM? Number one, I just kind of wrote here in the comparison game. Number one, in the comparison game. Who is it that you're comparing yourself to? Who is it that you have constantly compared yourself to and said, I just don't measure up? I just, uh, yeah, I just don't measure up. Number two, align your vision with God's vision. And what I mean by that is in your quiet time and as you pray, just say, Lord, let me see people the way that you see them. Let me see my friends even here on Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, small groups, cadres. Let me see in them what you see in them. So number one, in the comparison game. Two, align your vision with God's. And three, aggressively pursue unity. And that's hard. Because people are mean. I mean, some of you experience that. Just by show of hands, how many of you just experience mean people already at school? I mean, come on. Both hands up, like up in the air. Just rude. Just nasty for no reason. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We all know them. Some of y'all sitting right here. Okay. And so, and so, but so, so it, that makes it a little bit difficult. But we do it anyway. We don't avoid the hard stuff. We don't just do the simple things in the kingdom of God. We do everything. We do it all for his glory. So aggressively pursue unity. As the worship team comes, I just kind of want to remind you of this one quote before we kind of go into a closing worship time, because I want to give you an opportunity once again, maybe even do just a little bit of business with God. Seriously, you guys, some of you are just, I mean, just all this heaviness and this weightiness. And then some of you, it's like the comparison game is never ending. And it doesn't just automatically go away. It takes you bringing that before Jesus and saying and being, you know what? God, I'm laying that down. I'm not comparing myself to anyone. If you're going to compare yourself to someone, compare yourself to Jesus Christ and try to be just like him and him alone. Does that make sense to you guys? Wise person once said this, we can be brothers without being twin brothers. We can be brothers without being twin brothers. We don't have to look just alike. We don't have to do things exactly the same. And that's an encouragement for some of you. Literally, it's like weight lifted because you think the expectation is for you to pray like someone or sing like someone else or emulate what somebody else emulates on the stage or, 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 or be as smart as someone or get the exact same grades as, as your friends because, you know, your parents just talk about them all the time and what great academic scholars they are and you're like struggling. Let this be an encouragement to you. You don't have to be something you're not because you're already what God wants. He just wants you. I want you to yield to him. I want you to submit everything to him. Well, that's it. We can be brothers without being twin brothers. We can be sisters without being twin sisters. We're the family of God, you guys. And we've got to get this down and it's a big deal. Why? Because nothing great is ever accomplished without a spirit of unity on it. 
I shared it with you last week and prophetically I want to share it with you again. Second chapter of Acts. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come and they were in one place in one accord, the Spirit of God came and there came the sound as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house and there appeared unto them clothed in tongues of fire. And as that passage goes on, we see one of the greatest movements of the Holy Spirit, one of the greatest revivals and outpourings that we've ever heard of or read about. But we have this promise from Jesus saying greater things, greater works, greater things, greater works. I always want my dreams to be bigger than my memories. I always want what's in my heart ahead of me to be greater than anything behind me, you guys. So the comparison game, let it end tonight. Let's stop that game. Let's end it. It's not fun. It's not cute. It's not awesome. It's awful. It'll get you nowhere. Bow your heads tonight right where you sit. If you say, gosh, I've been playing the comparison game for a couple years, a couple months, a couple days. I just started playing it this year. Whatever. I'm in it. But I need it to end tonight because I want to be one. Because I want to be unified with my brothers and sisters. I don't want to live my life comparing myself to my friends. I want that to end even now. And I want to make a declaration before Jesus tonight that the comparison game ends. And I want his vision. I want to see my friends even here at DSM the way that he sees them. That's you. I want you to stand to your feet very quickly tonight. We have tons of time. This isn't a stand because your best buddy is standing. But really, you're ready to end the comparison game. Comparing yourself to one another. Right where you are. As we just enter into a time of worship here for a few minutes and then we'll kind of transition to something else. I want you to lift up both your hands to Jesus. Just pray this prayer with me. Father, I repent for playing the comparison game. I don't want to be anyone except for who you've created me to be. I commit tonight to celebrate those around me. Not compare them and not criticize them. In the name of Jesus, I will be who you've called me to be. I am yours and you are mine. Right where you are, I just want you to, in your own way, just begin to worship God as the worship team just kind of leads us here for a few minutes. Chains break in his presence. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.